Hey team of Eternal Optimists, it's Matt Drinkon here. And before we launch into today's epic conversation, I've got a big announcement. Drum roll, please. My brand new book is coming out on March 8th. And perhaps even better news, you can get it for only 99 cents on Amazon that day. We don't run ads on the show. And if you ever want to give back and support the Eternal Optimist community, go to Amazon on March 8th and get the Kindle version for only 99 cents. Just search for the book title, The Eternal Optimist. It's never too late. And you can download it directly to your device. Now, let's get to the show. Greetings, friends. This is your host, Matt Drinkon. Welcome to the Eternal Optimist podcast. Today's episode is going to have you with your jaw dropping at times. I interview a new friend, Mr. Donald Craig Sanchez Jr. I hadn't heard of him before. I tell you what, he has made an impact on me that I won't soon forget and shall always remember. When you hear Mr. Sanchez speak, man, let me ask you this team. Have you ever felt that there was something It was so overwhelming and huge, some big burden, some big secret, something on your chest that you wanted to share, you wanted to get it off your chest, you just didn't know how, and it ate away at you, and it was a heavy thing, and it was a secret that it was heavier, heavier, heavier. Well, couple that with addiction, couple that with challenges growing up, Couple that with money stuff. Couple that with anger issue. It may sound all very challenging and overwhelming. Well, the man that I spoke with today has owned those things from the past and has metamorphosized into a brand new man and a phenomenal human. And he shares this story with very graphic transparency today. I found myself on the edge of my seat as I was speaking with him wondering to myself, man, is, is there anything else? Because he goes deep and real. And this podcast is not for the faint of heart. It's probably not a, a kid podcast. Uh, I can just share with you that um, I have a, a lot of respect for Donald after everything he shared. Absolutely amazing. And at the end of the episode, the tribute that he pays to his daughter, and the way that he speaks love and care about his family and owns the mistakes that he has made. Just an amazing conversation, my friends. I hope you enjoy someone who bears their heart and their soul. This conversation is why we have this podcast. It's to inspire others that if they have some deep, heavy burden that they too, you too, there's hope that you can do it. There's hope you can make that big comeback. And you know what, friends, if you've already made that comeback and you haven't shared your hero's journey with the world, someone out there can be inspired by it. Someone will definitely appreciate what you have to share. Without any further ado, I hope you enjoy this very deep conversation with my new friend, Donald Craig Sanchez Jr. Enjoy. Hello, and welcome to the Eternal Optimist Podcast, the show for optimists by optimists. 
This is the show for people who see the good in the world and want to make a positive difference in the lives of their families and communities. Each week, you'll hear inspiring stories that will get you thinking bigger and playing more offense in life. With your host and high-performance coach, Matt Drinkon. And with that, welcome to another episode of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Drinkon, and I'm going to have a great time with you today here, audience, interviewing and discussing with and getting to know Mr. Donald Craig Sanchez Jr. His story, upon reading the intake form that he sent, his story is quite amazing, and we can go a number of different directions. So, Donald, I'll first start by welcoming you. Uh, Welcome, sir. How are you today? I'm doing great. Very grateful and yeah, just grateful to be alive. And I see the kids running around in the backyard in the background. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it just happened. What we what we practiced just happened. They got home from school and they were very well behaved. So they might get an actual treat tonight because of that great behavior. However, that treat will not be a sugar-filled candy mass of chocolate or something because I'm in a sugar-free September right now. So we have no candy or no uh, dessert in the house. Side note. I love it, and I honor that. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. If, if there is a candy of choice or a dessert of choice, what might that be for you, Donald? Oh, my gosh. Twizzlers. Hands down. Love them. All-time favorite. That's my guilty pleasure in sugar form. Absolutely. I remember being in the, must have been seventh or eighth grade. It was back in the 80s when Terminator 2 came out. And you had to be 16 to go into the movie theater to watch that movie. So my friend Jim and I bought tickets to the movie that was called, what was it? It was Doc Hollywood, Michael J. Fox. Go to the theater, sneak into Terminator 2. And I tell the story because Twizzlers, always been my favorite. So thank you for bringing that up, even though I can't eat them this month. But thank you for bringing them up. Yep. Wait till October. Yeah. Let's wait till then. But let's dive into you. Let's talk about what is the challenge in your world that you dealt with and you learned, you overcame just something in the past that you can share with us. So a few things come to mind and we can kind of go whichever direction. One is... I remember having to tell my parents as a 17-year-old high school senior that I'm about to have a baby in a few, nine months or whatever it was. And that was super challenging. Uh, Needless to say, I've faced addictions. But one of the greatest challenges that I was speaking on a couple of weeks ago that really just very, very grateful that I went through was in 2019, I actually lost all custody of my daughter. Wasn't able to see her, wasn't able to talk to her, no longer had visitation rights. And that was probably the most challenging thing I've ever had to face. So a little bit of backstory on that. In hindsight, it truly was a gift. It was exactly what I needed to go through to become the father that I am today. And really move me in the right direction. And I believe that God uses certain things in our lives to humble us and to teach us and to grow us. And certainly that was a big wake up call for me. So leading up to that, that court day, I was relatively successful district manager. We had a silver cup under our belt, one of the top offices in the region. Business was going good. My relationship with my 
now ex-girlfriend was going on seven years, six and a half years. We had purchased a home together. We dated all through college and we built a family dynamic with my daughter and my ex-girlfriend. And, and for so long, I was fighting to get more custody, fighting to get more custody year after year, just bought the house, successful business, traveling. That summer, particularly, I had my daughter signed up for seven different week-long summer camps, or it was like five or six different week-long summer camps. And I felt that I had all my ducks in a row to be able to go back to court and say, this is what I want, and this is what I feel is right. And it was a great learning experience because when I walked into court, the way I explain it is... And this is not a very fun picture to witness, but if you could picture like a, this is what it looked like and this is what it felt like for me. Imagine a very old, sickly, small chihuahua fighting a very angry, steroided out beast of a dog. That's not a good sight and that's not a good ending. And so I walked into court feeling like we just got demolished. And that's what it looked like for a list of reasons I can go on and on. But point is, I I remember walking out of the courtroom and the first thing I did was I called my mom and dad. I called my ex-girlfriend at the time and I said, meet me at the local restaurant, Billy's. I need to get drunk. Yeah. (laughs) Like I just didn't know, like I needed people and I had lost my daughter and I, I didn't know how to process that. And so... That was my first move. We went straight to the restaurant and here comes my ties and family. And I remember my family asking me, what am I going to do? And I told them and I looked them square in the face and I said, I'm going to the mountains tomorrow. That's where I need to go. And at the time, I was pretty involved with psychedelic medicine in the medicinal aspect. So I had done ayahuasca work that's a big part of the healing that helped me break through my healing. And so at the time, whenever I felt like there was things not in my awareness, I I would go to the medicine to find clarity. And I remember, and this was the last time I've done this. I haven't gone this far since then, but I went up to the mountains the next day and I took a very, very large dose of psilocybin mushrooms And I remember there was a moment where I was in the forest laying on a rock and I could look straight up and all I see is trees and a circle of open sky. And right in the center of the circle was the sun. And I remember laying out there along the river. So I'm just wearing nothing but shorts and I'm laying on this rock like a lizard, just baking in the sun with my eyes closed. And I could see the sun and I knew it was the sun, but it really felt like the presence of God. And I just really communed with that. And the biggest piece that I got from there was God telling me, this is where you need to be. Trust me, humble yourself and go back down the mountain on purpose and and fight. Don't fight them, but fight. Don't quit. Don't give up. And I came back down the mountain and immediately was like, okay. What do I need to do to get my daughter back? And it was every month, every two months, going back to court, getting a little bit more. And it went from not seeing her to seeing her. I had to pay a professional supervisor. So some random guy, he's a professional, it's his job, but I had to pay some random guy $150 an hour 
to be with me and my daughter and take notes. And I remember the first time I reconnected with my daughter, there was this energy of she couldn't trust me, which I had never felt before. It's see in my understanding of like childhood trauma and the work that I've done with that, I could see I'm like trauma is unfolding. This is a very traumatic experience for her. And I don't even like know how to go through this. So I was also court ordered to take like anger management classes. I was also court ordered to take parenting classes. And they really painted me as a workaholic dad who just pawned his daughter off everywhere, like to go work, would pick her up and then send her to the girlfriend or the parents and or away to summer camp. And that was just not true. I was a very passionate, hard worker and I wanted to provide a life. You know, I took my daughter to across the country to multiple different colleges. I've taken her to Georgetown. When I was at an SLC leadership conference with Cutco, I flew my family in to do all the museums in DC. I'm like, this is great. So I've always been about providing opportunities for my daughter that I never had. And I remember my girlfriend telling me, you're a good dad, but the issue is you're not present with your daughter. You don't have like a nurturing relationship. And so from all of that separation, that whole ordeal, the biggest thing that has come through two, three years later is I have a real strong relationship directly with my daughter. And it's getting to the point now where she can come to me. She can express her feelings to me. She talks to me. She tells me everything. And with the leadership skills that I've developed, a lot of front row dad podcasts, just throwing that out there, a lot of good mentors. And like that was one of my biggest challenges. And I remember going into that parenting class thinking I have two options. I can be one of the dads that are here that are just, I'm here because I have to be here and F this and F that and complain or I'm here. What can I learn from this? I hear you sharing the story right now, Donald. And it, it feels like, I mean, I'm seeing in front of me and hearing a man that is on that personal growth journey. When you say that's the only Donald that I know, was there a Donald before who felt that she's doing five or seven week-long summer camps this summer. And that's what I should be doing. That's what actually good parenting is. I go work hard. I earn the money. I have to do this for the whole, for the family. And now that's kind of being used against me. And for someone who's also dealt with some anger myself, it feels like that may have been a trigger to set up more anger. It very was. I was very confused. And I'm like, I was sitting in the court. And I'm like, is this really happening? Really, I'm providing a good life and opportunity and I'm being attacked by it. It was, I didn't know how to process that amount of anger. And it, rather than like stewing in that, it, and that feeling was still there for a while. Like that didn't go away for a while. It wasn't until a year later that I could look back and say, oh my gosh, this is why I had to go through that. Because my daughter, her mom and I separated when we were 17. We decided I decided that was not what we were going to do. We we're going to be separate parents. And I looked at it and I thought about, she's nine years old at the time. She's almost to eight. She's halfway to 18. And we spent nine years over 20 plus thousand dollars fighting and we're continuing to fight. So from that process, I realized 
I have to change how I show up. If I want to make change in the relationship with her mother, if I want to work together and be on the same team with her mother, if I want my daughter to love and trust me openly, I have to build trust with her mother. That was humbling. I remember, so I started that process. First step was go through all the hoops, do the court thing to get my daughter back. And really don't just go through the motions, but like, I'm here. I'm going to learn everything I can from every opportunity I get. So I, I took notes in those parenting classes and I had the books. I studied the books and I actually used the content. Fast forward to about a year ago, there's still not a lot of trust between mom and I. Things have settled down. I have some custody back. I'm building my relationship with my daughter. And I realized that there was still like just no trust. And I showed up to their house after dropping Madeline off. I said, can we talk? And I owned in front of them everything I've ever done to her mom, everything I'd ever done. And I didn't do it in a, well, I did it because you did this. It was, I did this. I've been a liar. I've been a cheater. I've been a manipulator. I've been an asshole. I've hurt you. I've fought against you. I've made your life more challenging. I'm sorry. Wow. I don't like, it, it just literally hit me. I've been fighting with you for nine years. Madeline's halfway to 18. She's going into junior high. She's going to enter into high school. This is a time where she needs both of us. She needs our support and she needs us to be on the same page. And I'm sorry, but I, is there any way we can work towards that? Like mom opened up. Mom said, yeah, I, I don't trust you. When you come around, I'm on eggshells. My body temperature raises. I can't be around you. And I'm like, I'm so sorry. And so for the last year, it's been about, doing my best to show up for her mom and her family. And really just like something on my list to do is to make amends with my daughter's grandpa, because I know he certainly has some feelings towards me and it's definitely in my heart to do that. That's kind of the next part of the process. But I would say that was one of my greatest challenges. Yes, sir. I love to go back to that conversation because that feels like a conversation with your daughter's mom, when you owned it, that it took some time to get to that place. And I wonder as you were driving over there and as you were knocking on the door and as you were getting ready to, to speak these words into the world, I wonder how you were feeling at those moments and how you were feeling as you were having that conversation. What comes to mind, Donald? I was feeling led by spirit. So... I'm at a point in my life where when the pandemic hit and everything went to crap, that's a whole nother challenge to talk about. I lost my house. Dad had a stroke. My business tank, eight and a half year relationship ended. I felt like I lost everything. And for the first time in my life, I actually prayed to God. Truly, truthfully, for the first time, cried out to God and said, I need you. I have nothing else. And since then, since March or April of 2020, he's been really teaching me how to rely on him. And so that was spirit telling me this is what needs to be done. And so I remember driving there and just like feeling slightly nervous, but also trusting that I'm guided. He's with me and that this is what's supposed to happen. And if I just stay away from the story and stay grounded to the truth, 
that I love my daughter and I'm here to serve. And like, I need to own up. Like, that's what I'm here for. And I just stayed connected with that. And I don't even remember exactly like the conversation. I remember bits and pieces, but I just remember this feeling of peace as I was speaking, just continuing to flow out and and permeate the, the conversation. It created a safe space for her mom to open up. So yeah, I just remember feeling like this is where I'm supposed to be. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. And so it was exciting. I was a little nervous, but I was very grateful to be there. I thought about it. I'm like, this is what I'm doing with my life. This is my greatest work. As a father, this is my greatest work. So part of my greatest work. Well, so, congratulations. Um, that's what that experience was like for you me. You took the first step. You took the most important step, which is some type of action. You felt it. You learned. You owned it. And what a relief. And there's still more work to be done, obviously. Oh, definitely. <laughs> but uh, just kudos to you, my friend, for taking that first step, because a lot of us you know, out there who may have that same challenge, they may be so overcome with pain and the frustration or the impatience or the anger that they won't come back to the light and own it so they can make, make progress. Well, you know, what was inspiring was I listened to a podcast that specifically it's called the Rising Man podcast, and I was super pretty involved with it and I was part of a men's group with them. But there was an episode about how a man, same situation, separated, kids, divorce, whatever it was, but there was a lot of fighting. And he shared his story, how he healed that relationship. And that's when I knew it was possible. Because my belief is like, if a human being can do it, so can I, because I'm a human being. I absolutely love that. It is possible. And that is why we are here. Hope you can do it too. Whoever's listening, Donald super successful businessman, had a personal challenge. He owned it and he made it through to the other side. And it's not in the clear yet, but he's made a lot of progress. And that's exactly why we're here. Anyone out there can do that. Get inspired by a podcast. Get inspired by what you want most or what fear you want to curtail or you want to own. I love everything you've shared so far. I'm feeling a little bit emotional over here as you're sharing it because there are times I kind of kick myself, Donald, that I wish I would have paid a little bit more attention to the people that were important to me. You mentioned maybe a, a workaholic who's doing it for the family. That was the cost of every relationship that I have ever had up until I met the woman I married was that I was married to my work. And I just respect for you that you figured that out at a younger age than I ever did. And that's, that's, I'm assuming you're much younger than me. You look very young. I'll be 30 in January. (laughs) Awesome. So whether you're 30 or whether you're 45 like me, or whether you're 65 or you're a teenager or whatever age you are, it is possible to make these types of changes, but you have to own it. And I love the way you owned it. I love your story. I love to stick with challenges for one more minute. Are there any other challenges that you've owned and learned from that we might gain insight from Donald? Yeah, one of my greatest challenges in my life that that really caused a lot of problems was my addiction. So I was addicted to pornography and that rabbit hole went deep. So I can start at the beginning, but I'm going to share a specific moment okay. that really encapsulates the challenge. So my ex-girlfriend and I were now split up. And we were in Germany after winning a Cutco trip, winning the silver cup, 
It's this is like March of 2018. We're on cloud nine. She's got her career going. My career is going, you know, we just built a deck in our back house or in a house in the backyard. Like life is going well. And at this point we were together. So 2000, like seven years and cut code trips, those company trips into different countries oftentimes lead to engagements. I remember one drunken night, we're stumbling around the streets of Munich, Germany, and and my girlfriend just kind of pulls me aside and opens up and is like, why aren't we married? Why haven't you engaged, like asked, like proposed to me? And I remember this conversation, I looked her in the eye and I said, there is evil inside of me that I cannot allow to marry you. And until that, until I handle that, and I face that, I can't marry you. I want to, but there is evil inside of me and I will not let that evil marry you. And she would ask why, like, what is it? Tell me, tell me. And I'm raising my hand. I've always been the guy. I I remember like just never expressing my feelings, emotions or what I've gone through. And it wasn't until I started my journey with ayahuasca and plant medicine that I began to heal that and really figure it out. And what I figured out was, because I completely blocked this out of my mind, that I was molested right around the age of six or seven by my older male cousin. It wasn't malicious on his end. And he's only 11 months older than me. So I'm assuming something probably happened to him. And so I have no negative feelings towards my cousin or anything, but that certainly did have an effect. Simultaneously, right around that time of my life, I got exposed to pornography. In third grade, I got my hands on my first porn DVD. I found my dad's collection and the internet comes along at some point in my early teens. And that was a place that was either that or video games. I had a very broken home. Dad was an addict. Uh, gambling addict. We lost multiple family homes, multiple family businesses, a lot of anger, a lot of fighting. And so my way of escaping was locking myself in the room with video games and pornography. At the time, it was like other guys did it, watched it. And it was, there's this like cultural thing about it, but that progressed and that progressed. And this is where that addiction takes goes to the next level. In high school, I was an athlete, average student. I didn't really apply myself in academics just enough to maintain my athleticism and my athletic opportunity. And I was very okay with that, but I, I love to have fun. I love to party. I love to hang out. And uh, I definitely liked to party a lot back then. And so that was the thing is high school, we'd party, meet girls. And that was the plan. And one particular night, me and my buddy, we were doing what we do. And the end of the night, some way, somehow, I ended up having like making like six or $700 through betting there at the party. Someone was betting me that I couldn't do pushups. And eventually they bet me that I wouldn't streak naked at this party. And I'm drunk. He's offering money and I'm like, I'll do it. <laughs> I did it. So needless to say, at the end of the party, I made a fool of myself. And definitely no woman at the time wanted to hang out with me. So it's about three or four o'clock in the morning. We snuck my parents' car out to go to this party. And my buddy's like, dude, we want to like get laid. 
I know a place. And I look and I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, there's a, in Bakersfield, there's this place called Union. And that's where prostitution takes place. And it's a very dark part of the world. And he brought that up. In my head, I'm drunk, I'm horny, and I don't care. And I said, whatever, let's do it. And we did that. And that was the first time I had ever been exposed to that. I never even thought about doing that, Matt. Like, that was never a thought. That was never a desire. But because I had this coping mechanism of going to pornography, and that's what it was. It was a coping mechanism. I had so much self-hate, so much self-disbelief. I didn't ever think I was worthy. And I had a lot of pain that I didn't know how to process. Well, that became the new drug. And that continued to happen from the time I was 18 to, I think, 26. And that was a secret. I kept it from my girlfriend. I kept it from everyone I knew. And I would travel a lot for work. Cutco, I would do a lot of growth events. I, I just traveled a lot. And yeah, the list goes on. It was, I don't know, a lot of times, multiple times a year. And I got to a point in 2018 where after winning the Silver Cup in 17, after having my first six-figure year, after buying the house, after having this amazing life, I felt so depressed. I hated myself. I hated life. And I couldn't find any joy, happiness. I was in this living in my head, just hating myself. And I couldn't understand what it was. The truth is, I was not an honest man. And I had so much pain, so much regret, so much hurt that I happened to me, happened to others. And what I've learned is hurt people hurt people. And I was very much hurt. So I was going around in my life causing havoc without even intending to do that, having these lies, having these secrets, not being able to be vulnerable, not being able to pull down my mask and share what I'm going through. I had so much shame, so much shame for all the things I've done. And I, after going through like my medicine processes and beginning to heal my work, I remember one day I was coming home from the office, heading to my house, and it was such on my heart. And it was like, I have to tell my girlfriend. And I remember I pull up to the house. It's night. It's a full moon. I look at the moon. I say to God, I'm about to cross this door and tell her everything. And life is never going to be the same. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Okay. It's go time. So I, I began the conversation, sit down, I need to talk to you. And I just laid it all out. She was taken back. I mean, her world just got flipped upside down. You mean to tell me you've been cheating on me, not just with women, but with prostitutes, our entire relationship? She didn't know how to process that. And so that was a long conversation, <laughs> a very challenging conversation. Ultimately, she decided to stay with me and work on it. And we did that. What the work actually was, was anytime she would emote, because I, I learned like a fair recovery trauma. It was something I studied in that process. But looking at my actions, I didn't actually focus on healing the relationship with her. 
or like going and doing that deep work together, doing my work and helping her and support her from her betrayal trauma. What I actually did was let's make everything fine. And whenever you have emotions that emote, I'm going to just try and calm you down. Okay. And that's what I did for about a year and a half. Okay. So pause for a second here. I want to just say thank you for sharing this. This is deep and respect to you for sharing the story. And wow. So to take us back, 2018, Munich trip, you share that you're not able to get married yet because there's an evil inside of you. You've got to get that out. And then fast forward a little bit to this conversation where you gain the courage, insight, ownership, name it what you will, you go to have the conversation to share. And you share it. I'm scared to have that conversation. I'm scared to do that. And you somehow found the courage. How, how did you find the courage to have that conversation? Because you found the courage to have the other one about your daughter. How did you find the courage to have this conversation? Because this is even deeper on a different level deep. So how did you find the courage for this one, Donald? I had to be honest. I was tired of living a lie. And I knew that I loved this woman and I knew that I wanted to marry her. And I knew that if that was ever going to happen, she was going to have to know who I am. Truthfully know who I am. And it was just like, after doing my healing work with the medicine and I had coaching on this, like I had a coach who actually was like talking with me weekly, like, she was really pushing me. You got to be honest, dude, you can't do this to her. And I was like, you're right. And so I just felt compelled, man. I felt like I had to be honest. I was never honest my entire life. Not fully, not truthfully, not authentically. And at the time, I didn't really know why. I mean, I, I could guess why, but like God wants me to be an honest man. And I believe he wants that for all of us. I want to live a good life. I want to have joy, happiness, peace, prosperity. And if I'm lying and if I'm hiding, I can't do that. It doesn't happen that way. And so how did I find the courage? One step at a time, man. It was one step at a time. And it was finally when I got to the step of, okay, now is the time. I don't know. I just, it was not an option. I just knew I had to cross that threshold. And I, 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 now that two years later, I've done a lot of studying on the hero's journey. Part of the hero's journey is crossing the threshold. And, and that was my hero's journey. That was part of my hero's journey was to cross that threshold and have that conversation. Can you elaborate a little on when you say hero's journey for those who aren't familiar with that method or that terminology? What, what do you mean by you had to cross the threshold of your hero's journey? So I learned about the hero's journey back in 2020, and I'm actually going to pull up the actual journey so I don't misquote it, but it's, it's essentially a monomyth that we've seen in every movie, and that's what makes the movies good, right? So you think about Tony Stark in Iron Man. Tony Stark, when he first comes out, he's a playboy, he's selfish, he's all this. Then there's a challenge. You know, he gets trapped in another country and is a prisoner. 
So in the hero's journey, there's a cycle and it kind of goes step by step by step. And I believe we're all walking our hero's journey. And so the first part of the, the hero's journey is the ordinary world. And that's, that's like what we believe is normal. So in my hero's journey, my ordinary world was I had this lie, this secret. My girlfriend didn't know about it. With the help of my mentor, she called me to adventure. So my call to adventure was growing, healing, and becoming an honest man. Well, I didn't want to share. So the next part of the hero's journey is the refusal of the call. You know, refusal of like, I don't want to do that. You know, it's there's a lot of resistance. When life calls us to grow, there's going to be resistance. And it's like, I don't want to do that. That's not comfortable. That's out of my comfort zone. I have to grow. So I remember the refusal of the call. Then the meeting of the mentor, which the mentor helps guide you through your hero's journey. And at a certain point, you have to cross the threshold. And it can be a decision. It can be, oftentimes it is a decision. And once you cross the threshold, now you're in a whole new world. And in that world, you're going to have tests. There's going to be allies. There's going to be enemies. And that's where you refine your approach. So when I look at the test, the allies and the enemies, after crossing the threshold of sharing with my ex-girlfriend that, you know, I, I had this lie, I failed a lot of those tests. I, I didn't refine my approach. I, I, I didn't create allies that I needed. And, and the enemies, they, they beat me. Because fast forward, there was a straw that I, I got a text from a coworker who is a female friend. And we've never had any relational thing. It's always been like, like an actual friend. But because my ex-girlfriend did not trust me, when I got that text, that was a straw. And so I remember we're watching a movie and it's like, my dad literally just had a stroke. He's in the hospital. Things are going crazy. Life is flipped upside down for my parents. My girlfriend and I are watching a movie and I get this text. I'm not hiding it. I'm responding. We're sitting next to each other. She looks at it and says, is that so-and-so? And I'm like, yeah. And, she, and then she walked away. And I'm sitting in the living room like, okay, how do I proceed? She's clearly mad. What's going on? And my default was, how do I calm her yes. down? She comes back five, 10 minutes later and says, get out. What? Get out. Get out. I don't know. We're, we're done. I don't want you here. Get out. And I, I, I left. That was, I stayed there for like 30 minutes on the couch, just like processing while she went back to the room. And that began our, that began our breakup. And so, and that was a whole nother challenge in itself. Right. But now I can look back and, and I'm really sorry that I've caused pain to that woman and anyone else. But I look back now and it's like, I understand people make mistakes. Some more severe than others, but I would not be mad. I would not be the man that I am today. And, and I would not 
have the courage to continue to grow and continue to challenge myself and and continue to desire to 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 to, to authentically live the life that I want to live of honesty, integrity, vulnerability, valor. Like if I don't continue to grow and 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 cross these thresholds in my life. So like now where I'm at in my life is like okay, what what hero's journey am I on? Where am I at? And when I do get to the point where I am getting married cuz I I dream of having a family I, I can't wait to be a grandfather and have 15 grandkids in my lifetime. And so I want to live really long to get there. But I know that I had to go through that. And I wish I, it didn't have to be that way, but it did. It was. I, I wish it didn't have to be that way. I wish I didn't have to break that woman's heart, crush her world, or put her through any of that to, to learn. But I did. And I just pray that, because her and I don't talk, I just pray that she also gains value and learning from that process as I have. And I, I just wish that on, on anybody, but it specifically, I wish that on her. And, and I think about who I am today. It's like, man, I've, I've failed my way forward. I've like, the only re- like, I know what the right thing is, is because I've done the wrong thing so many different ways. Yeah. And I've realized, like, the wrong way does not work. Yeah. <laughs> Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist podcast is Own Your Stuff. Own Your Stuff. What does that mean? It means you have some deep, dark secret. You have some deep, dark place, some challenge inside of yourself. Own it, my friends, own it. And what that might mean in reality is share it with that person you love and trust and care for. Share it with your inner circle, your your private circle. Share it with your coach. Share it with your therapist. If there's something inside of you, if there's an evil that needs to come out, if there is a bad habit that you need to work through, if there is something that you've been trying to break and stop doing that it's been difficult to do on your own, own it and bring it out and share it with your friends. Share it with someone that's trained, a specialist. Let's get it out, my friends. Own it. In order for it to have no more power over you, accept it, acknowledge it, own it. Today's sponsor of the Eternal Optimist Podcast. Yeah, well. You've made some poor decisions and those led to, you know, experiences. Someone once said that, you know, bad decisions lead to good experience so that we can learn and grow. And you've certainly demonstrated that there has been some decisions you made that you're not proud of, but you've owned them. And that doesn't absolve us from it. It simply allows us to humbly attempt to be forgiven, to ask for that and to move forward and you're doing that moving forward, I'd love to, if there's anything else you want to do to close this chapter on the challenges, I'm I'm welcome to to pause and let you share that. Donald, I'd also love to move forward and talk about what your hero's journey is now, what you're creating now. So I'll pass it back to you to wrap up the challenges and or we can move forward to, you know, where are we headed next? Yeah, absolutely. So I'll close it with this. I'll close it with an invitation to to men specifically. And, and, and this goes for anybody, right? But specifically, I'm talking to men. I know what it's like to be in Groundhog's Day. 
I know what it's like to be a lone wolf. I know what it's like to live in my head. And men, we need support. Men need men. Men need a place to to be carried. Iron sharpens iron. And if you're a man out there who feels stuck, feels lost, feels out of control, hates yourself, feels evil, feels bad, whatever it is, feels shameful, one, that's okay. Two, take it as an invitation to reach out and receive the support you need. You don't need to go on a podcast and share your dirty secrets. It's not what I'm saying. But the simple act of opening up to another man is what I found has been by far one of the most healing experiences for myself and others. So I'll close it out with an invitation. If you're a man out there, find a men's group. They're popping up everywhere. This is how we become our greatest version as men. This is how we become better fathers, better husbands, better men in the community, is if we're hurt, we're going to walk around hurting people. But if we're healed, we're going to walk around healing people. And that's my invitation. Well spoken, brother. That was that was excellent done. And you know, I can I can share a similar thought that I remember when I joined the Front Row Dads back in March 2019, and the place that I was hurting, I didn't really exactly realize how I got there or why I was doing it, but I felt that I was certainly hurting and I was hurting others around me. I didn't feel that it was a malicious or shameful or something that I didn't feel was going to be long-term pain or trauma. It might have been. You know, I was a yeller, you know, and I would yell and call it whatever you will. I would yell for quiet when, when I was working, especially like this on a, on a virtual setting. And being around this group of men at the Front Row Dads, many of whom people that, that initiated me into the Front Row Dads are people I met from my Vector Marketing Cutco days, amazing people who are always on a growth journey. One of the things I love about Vector and Cutco, the growth journey. I've, I was on that same journey that, that you're on in my own way. And it was you know, getting that place where I could you know, relieve myself of this uh, pain or impatience gene that may have been burned into me. I didn't realize where it came from. So I accept the invitation and anyone out there who, for example, is, is a dad who wants to take that next step. You know, there's a place out there called the Front Row Dads you might you know, look into and you can do remotely, virtually. There's, there's in-person stuff too, but you know, we're out there. So thank you, Donald, for bringing us to this point. And it's been heavy so far. So thank you for that, that, that emotional vulnerability. Yeah, that was, I was on the edge of my seat here just thinking about that was, that was actually tough to hear. And thank you for, for sharing that. People need to hear that there are others out there struggling. So it takes a strong person to admit these things openly. And you've done that. So uh, kudos to you, my friend, much respect that you had a challenge, you owned it. You've moved forward and now let's move forward together and look at you know, what is it in your world that is driving you now and where are you driving to? Yeah, so it's with all the hero's journeys that I've gone through so far, I feel where my family is at is in a great place where so many things are in a great place in my life. The one thing that has been a struggle is my business. You know, I took a year and a half off to care gift for my father when he had a stroke. He's in a wheelchair. 
And I, that was my whole goal was to carry, to move the needle for my parents. So that way, when I'm done, when I leave, they can take care of themselves. Did that. I also let my business go, lived off my savings, and I got back down to the brokest I've ever been. And then I started selling Cutco again. So this is my first full year of being with Cutco for nine years. This is my first full calendar year of just selling Cutco. No college, no management, just building my Cutco business. And the Cutco business as a sales professional has certainly changed over the years and has become a very, very lucrative opportunity not to build a business that's just finance, like financially profitable, but to build a life and a business that supports the lifestyle. And so right now I'm in the early stages of building my Cutco business. So the biggest things that lie in front of me is I've, I've been working heavily on my skill sets, working on my, my, my scripts. I have coaching. I have coaching calls. I go get training. I'm implementing the things. Right now, the biggest thing to be able to scale my business next is launching my marketing platform. So really nurturing my database. So I have clients that I've wor- been working with for years, five years, six years, seven years the beginning of my Cutco career. And, and I have great relationships with them, but there are so many gaps in my business that I'm not doing or haven't been doing that will allow me to be able to scale my business from producing 150 to 200 K to three, four five upwards, even a million dollars at some point in my career is the, is the ultimate goal is to create a million dollar Cutco business. And that that's the, that's the financial aspect of my life, you know, where my, my true work goes, I don't know yet. I've, I've been called to be a speaker. I've been called to be a motivational speaker. I've been called to be a coach. I've been called to work in a nonprofit. I've been called a lot of different directions and I I don't know what like my thing is going to be, but right now it's, I'm very committed to, cause I, I didn't grow up poor. But we didn't grow up in abundance. You know, I, I remember standing in front of the grocery store in, in high school asking for money to go play soccer, to buy soccer cleats, to play club because I was a soccer player because I didn't want to ask my parents for money because I knew like that they, they didn't do make a lot of money. So I never wanted to be a financial burden. So I, I have like part of my mission in life is to end addiction in my family lineage like that buck stops with me. And then also like the, the, the rat race of poverty. Like I, I, I'm learning a lot about finances and it's like, there's everything I grew up learning, not the most ideal way. And when it comes to finances, working a job and things like that, like the men in my life have died. My grandpa died. Two of my uncles died in their fifties. Like a lot of the men in my family have died in their fifties. My dad was put in a wheelchair, almost died at 56. And so the, the biggest things that I, that, you know, in my life that are coming is one, building my business to financially take care of my parents. I would love to be able to pay for a caregiver and therapy so my dad can walk one day. Cause I know it's possible, but they don't have the means to support that. 
you know, making sure my kids have the opportunities to, to, to go with, with, to, to have the, like, I want to be able to homeschool my kids. One thing I'm so passionate about right now is building my business. So when my kids are born, I could be there. I don't have to work. Like that's, I, I will work, but the way I'm designing my business is I can have those early years. I, I want to be there. I don't want to be gone 50, 60, 80 hours a week. I want to take them to school. I want to wake up with them. I want to take them to the park. I want to nurture them. I want to raise my kids and I want to raise it and raise them in conjunction with my future wife. And so I know that my Cutco business has the potential to, to put me in that role. So specifically for the next three years, my goal is to scale my Cutco business so I can start a family. Like that's my biggest most immediate burning desire. <laughs> I have like longer term goals of what I want to do with my successes and my finances, you know, but Cutco right now is the, is the way I'm going to make my money. It's where I'm most skilled. It's where I give my gifts. It's what I love to do. And I get a lot of joy in, in working with my clients and helping others along the way too. So that's, that's what's next for me, man, is continuing to follow and build my relationship with Jesus Christ and, and God and what that means for me and, and build my business to support a family. And hopefully in three to five years-ish, I'm leaving that part in God's hands. I'm just like, I'll do my work today and he'll take care of everything else. Wow. Take me back to the hero's journey that you're on right now also to live as an honest man with that high value, where are you on that journey right now in, in living to that ideal, that standard of honest man? <laughs> That's funny that you asked. I'm really glad you asked that question. About two months ago, a month ago, I noticed myself, like my awareness, I began white lying again. Little things. And it hit me. And I'm like, this is not what I'm about. And so in my men's work, we talk about the three A's, triple A, awareness, acknowledgement, and action. So step one is being aware, right? And we can be aware of things. That doesn't mean we're going to change it. The second thing is acknowledging. So what that looked like for me is sharing with my brothers and my brotherhood. So we have like a men's brotherhood and, you know, calling them and just be like, dude, I've noticed that I started lying again. White lies, little stuff, not blatant lies, you know, and I've entertained the idea of bigger lies. And I'm like acknowledging this in order for me to take action, verbally voicing it out to another person. What I believe that does is it takes it out of our head and brings it into reality because when we're in our head, the self-doubt, the negative self-talk is much, much stronger than when you, when you don't voice those things. So if I don't voice that stuff and I'm just trying to do it on my own, it's going to be a lot harder to do that. And so it's, it's radical honesty. And to be honest, I don't want to be radically honest. I have a sponsor and, you know, and we talk weekly and it's like, there are weeks where I'm just like, I don't want to tell him this. I hope he doesn't ask me. And it's so challenging, but I, I know what's on the other side of honesty. It's freedom. 
I, I've lived so much of my life looking over my shoulder and, and having that like, what's, what's going to get me? I don't want to do that anymore. And so in terms of that, it's, and I'm glad you brought it up again because it's, it again, brings it back to my awareness of like, how honest am I? You know, and, and there's a point of like, you know, does this make me look fat? Definitely. Like, right. There's, it, it's, there's a way of like, I'm not talking about that specific situation, but like being honest with what I'm doing, being honest with my intentions, being honest with my mistakes, you know, like I've caught myself. I remember doing this where it was like, I would say something and I'd be like, wait, that's not true. I am so sorry. I don't know why I said that. That is literally not true. Wow. You caught yourself in mid-sentence and and brought it back. Well, that is some radical honesty. You know, so you're living some form of that and you're more aware of it and acknowledging it now that it started to creep back in. So it feels like you have, I mean, look at Dan Sullivan, the gap in the gain, the gain that you've made over time has been, you know, four years ago, four and a half years ago. You know, I wasn't to that place where I was radically honest yet and I was still in pain. And now you have jumped through a lot of those hurdles and you've, you've shared it all and it tries to creep back in. It just goes to show for any of us out there, even someone who's done the work and it can be plant medicinal work. It can be spiritual reading and prayer meditation. It can be working with coaches, mentors. It is out there and it's real and we acknowledge it. They're, they're, the demons can come back and it takes hard work to get there. So for anyone out there who's struggling, it, they can come back, but we work diligently and remind ourselves all the time. And uh, I'm glad you have a brotherhood of your own to to share this with and, and a mentor to share it with, Donald, because I do too. You know, and it's without it, you know, we are lone wolves. You know, so appreciate that you've been able to share a real story that I'm certain that nearly everyone can relate to in some way, shape, or form. That to go on your hero's journey, we we maybe fight sometimes. We've got to own our own stuff and uh, kudos to you for owning it. And by the way, for those of you out there who've heard some of the terminology, don't understand it. When he says he won a silver cup in Cutco, that means that he was the number one office in the whole company, the number one district in the company. That's quite an honor. And maybe shamelessly, I have two of them as well. So I would say that, uh, which were part of a team, I can't claim that I owned them myself, but I would say this, that you know, it's, it's to be a silver cup winner, and then go to a place where humbly we had to go back to broke, you know, and to share that with people and then to go and take care of the family and put the finance dream and goal on hold to take care of family and then to go and rebuild it all and own it all and share the whole journey while you're working on your skills, while you're regrowing your business, and developing it again. If Donald can do it, you guys can do it. You just got to stick with it as he has. Donald, how might we be able to find out more about you and what you're up to and follow your journey and maybe even buy some Cutco from you? How might we be able to connect with you and and find out more? Yeah, so that would be Facebook or Instagram. Instagram is probably the best. I, I use Facebook for family, friends, and clients. I don't do a ton of posting on my Instagram like feed, but I do share a lot on my story whether it's I'm doing some personal work, men's work, personal development, 
or if I'm just, you know, having a lake day with my family. That's where I'm most active and engaged. I, I foresee sometime in the future expanding my platforms, but I just don't, I don't feel called to do that right now. And so the best way would be Instagram. It's at, sorry, it's at ITS Donald Craig. So it's Donald Craig at it's Donald Craig. It can get, I confuse people with it sometimes, but ITS Donald Craig. We will certainly put that in the show notes. I'd love to close with something that I hope makes us all smile, maybe cry if it's okay if we do. What's something amazing that makes you smile about your daughter right now? That she goes against the grain. I love this kid so much. And I look at her and I'm like, I don't understand how you came out this way. I really don't. Your parents were 17 years old when we had you. She is mature. She is sound. Matt, let me let me just share a little bit of my daughter really quick. She comes into the room once, and this might be a year ago, two years ago at this point, comes into the room and says, Dad, I got to tell you something. Sure. Tell me more. She goes, I'm not going to have an Instagram or any social media. And in my head, I'm like, yes, thank you. But I asked her, right? Like, <laughs> it's a win. <laughs> I asked her, I said, well, tell me more, (laughs) tell me more. And this kid is so observant. She proceeded to share with me, dad, my my cousin just got an Instagram and she changed. She's different. She's not fun. All she does is is she's like glued to her phone. And I never want to be like that to people. Okay. She had the thought, the feeling, the judgment, the perspective to share that as a 10 year old. Mm. Wow. And now as she enters into to, to junior high, first day, she got exposed to marijuana. Second day, she got told she needs to have a boyfriend. She's 12 years old in seventh grade. She's been picked on, she's been bullied. And she has the awareness of like, dad, I realize that I've been so committed to my my goals that I haven't made time for friends and I'm having a really hard time connecting with people. And I'm just, I, I, I hear the way she processes and, and how reflective she is and how communicative she is and how courageous she is to share these things with me because I can always see like, it's like a lot of like fear when she shares. And then based off my response, which I've worked really hard on the way I respond to my daughter and how I speak to her, Oftentimes, it's a sense of like it, all that anxiety washes away in our conversations. And so those are a few of the things that really just light me up, man. She's, she's caring. She's giving. She's loving. She loves people. She's a hard worker. She's goal-oriented. And she's passionate about helping people in her life as a 12-year-old. And I'm just like, <laughs> thank you, God. That's all I can say. Yeah. That's awesome. Thank you, brother. Appreciate you coming on today and sharing this inspirational story, the hero's journey of Donald Craig Sanchez Jr. Just love you, man. Thanks so much for coming on. Appreciate you too, Matt. Love you, man. I'm glad we were able to connect. And I look forward to having you more in my life in the future. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the Eternal Optimist Podcast. 
you can check the show notes for information about today's episode. And please share the show with that friend who is wanting to think bigger. We'll see you next time.